0: Welcome to the house of legends where you can hear world myths and legends told by a professional storyteller i'm your host daniel allison and this is episode 53 the fate of cool before we go any further i want to thank lk gondek for becoming a patron of house of legends today's episode is the first in a mini-series focusing on finn mccool to celebrate the launch of my new book finn and the fiena i'm going to be releasing episodes weekly in the run-up to the launch of the book in december the book has been delayed a few times due to Covid, but my publishers for this book, the History Press, are now confident we should make a December release. So, who is Finn McCool? Finn was the leader of the Fianna, a band of warriors charged with keeping the shores of Scotland and Ireland safe from invaders. Numerous individual Fianna are mentioned in the stories, but most prominent are Finn, his son Ashin, his grandson Oscar, and his friend Dermot along with his rivals, Gaul and Conan, While a good number of stories survive, it is likely that these are only a fraction of those that once existed. But the ones which we have are so good that we can't really feel too hard done by. The Tales of the Fianna are one of the four cycles of Irish mythology, which are usually placed in the following order. The Mythological Cycle, the Ulster Cycle, the Fenian or Fianna Cycle, and the Cycle of Kings. The mythological cycle tells of the coming to Ireland of the Tuedidanen, the children of Danu, better known nowadays as the Fairy Folk, or she. They took Ireland and ruled it until the gales came, pushing the she over the sea and into the ever-bright underground halls. The Ulster Cycle is the story of the mighty warrior Chulainn and the war for the brown bull of Cooley. The she do feature in these tales, but mostly they remain in the background, the emphasis is very much on men. The cycle of kings deals in part with real historical kings. The Fianna cycle is usually placed after the Ulster cycle, but I think it might be better placed after the mythological cycle. There is a huge emphasis in the Fianna tales on movement between the world of men and the supernatural world of the she. The wild forests, beaches and mountains often act as gateways to the other world. As Donald Smith writes in the introduction to Finn and the Fianna, for the Fianna, the free life of nature is the highest experience and value. Without that, there is no life worth the name, just grey existence. The Ulster knights are more modern. Above all, they love gold and battle won glory. When entering the other world, Finn and his men often have to use their wit as well as their strength to survive, and in turn come back rewarded with new knowledge, abilities, and magical items. In this respect, the tales very much resemble those of animistic hunter-gatherer societies, such as those of Siberia. This leads me to wonder if the tales of the Fianna do not go back to the earliest inhabitants of Ireland and Scotland, who settled after the glaciers of the last ice age retreated. It's a long time since that world passed away, and in that time the tales have changed. Lady Gregory's Gods and Fighting Men, which was published in 1904, has the Fianna as an Iron Age war band that runs a kind of protection racket, demanding so much gold of the kings and lords of Ireland that they eventually rebel and make war upon the Fianna. Before that, in the 1760s, James MacPherson helped usher in the Romantic era by publishing the works of Sheen, which he claimed were his translation of ancient Gallic tales. The works were wildly popular. Napoleon is said to have slept with a copy under his pillow. Bitter controversy erupted when it emerged that Macpherson may have written the poems himself, or at least wildly embellished the originals. In recent years, writers such as Marie Heaney, George Macpherson, David Campbell, and Eddie Lenehan have written down the tales. And with Finn the Fianna, I've added my own voice with the aim of bringing the principal stories and a number of outliers together in one volume as a complete cycle from beginning to end. Of course, stories in a pre-literate society were never brought together and made to fit. There would have been many that contradicted one another. I've tried to strike a balance between allowing the stories to strike disparate tones while emphasizing the threads of continuity that make them a whole. So for today's episode, I'm going to share with you the first story from the book, the story of Finn's father, The Fate of Cool. Long ago, in a time when the veils between the worlds were thinner than they are now, there lived in the wilds of Ireland and Scotland a band of warriors called the Fianna. It was their job to guard those lands against the men and monsters who'd invade them. When the shores of their beloved homelands were safe, the Fianna would feast, fight and make their own trouble. Cool was the leader of the Fianna. He was tall, fair, open-hearted and open-handed. His heart belonged to a maiden named Myrna, who loved him as he loved her. Myrna was the daughter of Teig, chief druid to the High King of Ireland. You might have expected Tague to see Kul, the renowned captain of the Fianna, as a fine match for his daughter, but it was not so, for the Fianna, admired as they were, were wild men. They lived their lives and made their beds beneath the boughs of trees at the ocean's edge in the high hill's shadow. They had dealings with the she, whom some called the fairy folk. Their trade was in battle, in blood and iron. In short, they did not always make good husbands. Cool came to Teg's dwelling, a shining white fort on the hill of Allen, and offered his suit. Teg refused him. Cool left, and when Tague was next gone, he returned, climbing over the wall as the fort glistened in the moonlight. He found Myrna, kissed her and led her away into the wild woods. Deep into the forest they went. By a waterfall pool they bound their hands together and exchanged vows of love. In beech dappled light into the blackbird's song, they loved and laughed and fell into one another knowing their time would be over soon. Teig discovered his daughter had been taken. Storms shook Ireland as the druid raged. He went to Tara, seat of the High King, and demanded that the Sword of Justice strike Kul. The High King was reluctant. Kul is my friend, he said, and the Fianna are a force to be feared. If you do not move against Kul, said Taeg, I will speak druid words against your name. The king quivered at that. Even he was not immune to a druid's curse. He called a meeting of his most trusted men and set his power against the power of Kul. War drums resounded at Tara. Battle horns blew from east to west. Messengers crossed the country as fighting men took the road to Tara, where a great camp soon spread across the plain. Among the king's forces were a group of Fiana disloyal to Kul. These were the sons of Morna. Chief amongst them was Sushay, a tall, fierce and cunning warrior, whom his brothers both loved and feared. His chief henchmen were bald-headed Conan and quick-tongued Black Garry. The high king promised Suchet that if he brought down Kul, he would be made captain of the Fiana. Cool and Myrna emerged from the forest. Around Cull, the Fianna rallied, and soon their army was ready to march. On the plain of Noch, where the city of Dublin now sits, the two armies met. For the first time, men of the Fianna faced one another across the battlefield. It would not be the last time. The sword hour came. Spears were rattled, shields were beaten by grim-faced warriors ready for slaughter. Though the sun shone upon them, they knew this day was a dark one. Ravens gathered in the air, hungry for the feast. Kul took from his belt the Dorad fien, the horn of the fiena. He blew upon it, Sushay's horn answered, and the battle began. Soon the grass was red and littered with corpses as the fiena fought their brothers. Amid the chaos of the battle, Suchet spied Cool. He called to Black Gary, and the two of them fought their way through the Melee until no man stood between Suchet and Cool. Cool attacked. Suchet answered his strike, and the two greatest warriors of the Fiena fought. For all Suchet's size, strength, and cunning, he was not a match for Cool. The quick-armed captain slipped like a ghost through Suchet's attacks and lunged forward. Suchet pulled back, but was not quick enough. Cool's sword pierced his eye. Suchet was thereafter known as Gaul, or Blind MacMorna. Cool would have won then, but for Black Gary. As Gaul roared in pain, Black Gary threw himself against Cool from behind. Cool stumbled, and it was all Gaul needed. He swung his sword and cut Kool's head from his body. Kool is dead, went up the cry. He carried across the plain, and soon Kool's forces were en route, running for the forest that bordered the plain. The king's forces cheered. Dark liquid streaming from his eye. Goll laughed. The battle was won. But what of Myrna? Watching from the woods that bordered the battlefield, Myrna saw her lover slain. She retreated, heart-riven, into the forest. In a sunlit glade, she fell to her knees and keened for Cool. Days and nights passed as she sang the death song of the golden-haired, gentle-hearted warrior. Cool would never know his own child, the child growing within her. When the first Agonies of her grief had passed. Myrna made her way home to the hill of Allen. Teig would not open his gates to her. He came to the rampart and called her shameful names until she turned and walked away. Myrna took another road. Travelling by night, lest the sons of Morna were after her, she made her way to the house of two druid women, Lealucra and Boma. These women were friends of hers, and they kept her hidden in their home until her son was born. She named the boy Finn. Myrna was full of joy at her son's birth, but she was fearful too. Cool's son was a threat to Gaul, and if Gaul learned of Finn's existence, he would surely kill him. All night, the three women talked as Myrna held her son to her chest. At last, they came to an agreement. Myrna would leave her son with them and seek out a new life over the waves. Meanwhile, Lealucra and Beaumau would take the boy into the wilds and raise him, keeping him hidden from those who would destroy him. So it was that Myrna said goodbye to her son and left Ireland, a gown of grief heavy upon her shoulders. Finn's foster mothers, left their house and made for the deep, deep woods. I hope you enjoyed the story. Our story next week will be The Boyhood of Finn. If you're not already a subscriber, be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app so you can follow along with Finn's journey. That's all for this week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please support it by sharing on social media or even sharing the link with a few friends who enjoy a good story. If you'd like to tell stories yourself, you can join my coaching groups or you can sign up for news about The Roundhouse, my online storytelling school, through the website. You can follow me on Instagram at at houseoflegendspodcast, where I'm doing more live storytelling, and you can find my books by searching for Daniel Allison on Amazon. Speaking of books, if you'd like something to read while you wait for Finn and the Fiona to come out, my novel The Shattering Sea, the first part of the Orkney cycle, is now available as a free download from both Amazon and Kobo. If you enjoy it, I just ask that you please review it. Thanks for listening, See you next time.